0: Well, good morning again, church, and here we are again, aren't we? Here on the computer in the virtual world, meeting together on Easter Sunday. Who would have thought that that would be the case? Uh, About a month ago, when we started meeting online, you know, it was two weeks at a time, and now it's indefinitely, and so just want to encourage you that God is still doing good things, and we're still taking ground as a church. Uh, Just ask you to keep praying for the church, keep praying for me, uh, keep praying for our staff, and keep believing that God is doing some really good things that he wouldn't have done otherwise if we weren't in this situation. And so as much as we want to be together, uh, let's continue staying engaged and believing and taking new ground together as a church. Well, today we are going to be remembering the resurrection of Jesus. And the work that God accomplished through the cross, the work that Jesus did uh, for us in suffering and dying to pay for, to absorb the wrath of God that we talked about last week. We're going to continue on that topic, only this is the good end of the equation. You know, there is so much bad news being thrown at us right now. Uh, we're being reminded constantly of all of the things that we are losing. We're going to lose our way of life as we've known it. Many of us are being told we're going to lose our health. We are going to lose our jobs and income. We're going to lose our uh, economy. Uh, We're going to lose our businesses. We're going to lose, lose, lose. That's the message that's just being constantly thrown at us right now in the media, These are fears that are grinding away, maybe underneath the surface. Maybe you're afraid you're going to lose your investments that you're living on right now. All of these fears are kind of churning under the surface as we move forward. We don't know what all we're going to lose. And while all of those things might have some reality to them, might not, I want to remind us of an important message that, That is kind of a common message in Christianity. I know I've heard it many times. Probably you have as well. But this is a critical season where we press into this message that we have in Scripture that is what we receive, what we get as a result of the work of Jesus Christ on the cross. And I just want to really own the idea together with you this morning, church, on this special day that what we receive is so much more than anything that the world or the enemy could take from us. What we have received is capable of overcoming anything that might be thrown at us. But we, we need to be reminded of this in this season. We need to take ownership of it in a new way in this season. And we need to be prepared to lay hold of these resources that God won for us on the cross through the work of his son, Jesus Christ. There is divine resources, divine ability, supernatural power that's available to us, freely available to us, if we believe it, if we lay hold of it, and if we ask for it uh, through our relationship that we have with God through faith in Jesus Christ. And so let's look at a couple of scriptures. I've got all about... Six principles here that I want to discuss. And the the title of this message, as it's been given many times before, is the divine exchange. And the idea is that through the cross, through the ministry, the life, the suffering, the death, and the resurrection of Jesus, God put something on Jesus negative that we deserved. Jesus fully satisfied the holy requirements of God, on our behalf by taking our place, and then the exchange is God took everything that Jesus, God's rightful, holy, and righteous son, deserves, and he transferred it to us simply by believing in his son. And there's probably about six things, six things in Scripture, and you can probably find more. I feel like these are the important ones for us in this hour, in this hour of crisis that we're in. And I want to lay hold of these things because we have power. Church, we have power and divine resources to not only overcome, but to thrive in the midst of these circumstances. And so, let's talk about a few of these principles. First of all, and we're going to start with some common, simple ones, but again, we need to be reminded of these principles. It's from Romans chapter 8, verses 14 through 17. The first principle, the first divine exchange that took place through the life, ministry, death, and resurrection of Jesus was that Jesus was abandoned by his Father on the cross so that we could be fully adopted as sons and daughters into the family of God. Jesus was abandoned and as a result of that, we get to be adopted as children. And not just children, but heirs. Heirs who inherit the benefits of being in the family of God. It says in Matthew 27, verse 46, Jesus. this is the episode where Jesus is on the cross and he's dying. And he cries out to his father, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? The darkest hour in Jesus' life, even beyond the brutal beating that he suffered before he was nailed to the cross, his darkest hour was feeling abandoned by God. When the wrath of God was laid on Jesus on the cross, God found it. So, so horrific that he he turned, he turned his face from his son because he couldn't behold him. He was abandoned on the cross. But according to Romans 8, 14 through 17, we get to be adopted into the family as a result of Jesus' work. And we get to be heirs. We get to inherit the benefits and the resources of the kingdom of heaven. And so that's divine exchange, number one. Number two is, he took our sin so that we could receive his righteousness. Again, a common principle. A common principle we're told repeatedly as Christians. But again, let's take ownership of the important component. The scripture says, he made him who knew no sin to be sin on our behalf so that we might become the righteousness of God in him. That's 2 Corinthians 5.21. And so the idea being that the sin that was ours, that we could not overcome, we couldn't make things right with God as a result of our sin, was placed on Jesus, and he paid the penalty for us. And then the righteousness that he lived in, and the scripture teaches us that Jesus lived a sinless life, his righteousness was transferred to us. So we received righteousness. Now here's the important component of that in the season as we're approaching God and maybe you're going to face some unique trials and hardships and setbacks maybe financially with your health with your investments we're all going to face some unique hardships moving forward and there might be a there might be a temptation to come before God with a little bit of a guilty conscience knowing we haven't really been following him as faithfully as we should We haven't really devoted our lives to him like we should. And this is a tendency that we all have to kind of live a life focused on the here and now, satisfying my immediate wants and pleasures uh, for myself with having God kind of pushed to the back seat. And now when we're in a time of crisis, we come to God asking for help and we feel guilty about it. We don't want to be that person who really is kind of like, uh, it, it feels hypocritical to come and lay ourselves before God and ask for his help when we know we really haven't been following him as faithfully as we should. But church, let me tell you this. According to this scripture, we can come before God immediately, regardless of our history, with confidence. And with our head held high, because when he looks at us, he doesn't see our failures, our half-heartedness. He doesn't see our hypocrisy. He sees the perfection of his son. And we can come before God with boldness and with confidence, and yes, with humility, asking for his help in this time of need and crisis. And he's just as quick and ready and willing to help us as he would have been if it was his own son standing before him. And so we need to have confidence in that in this season that we're approaching. Point number three. Jesus took the death that we inherited and he gave us life. And church, the scripture says that Jesus came not only to give us life, but to give us life abundantly. And so even in a time of crisis, again, normal might be different. The life moving forward that we've known might be different. But we need to have confidence that even if we're diminished in some areas, God's going to replace that with some goodness we didn't see coming in other areas that more than compensate for anything that we might have lost. He took our death, we inherited, and he gave us his life. And the scripture describes that as abundant life, life abundant. And so we need to take ownership of that in this season. We might lose some things in some areas but God will compensate for that with some surprising blessings in other areas. It's important not only to believe it, but to actually lay hold of it and begin asking for it even now and speaking it to God. Point number four. He took our shame and he gave us his glory. It says that Jesus endured the cross, despising the shame, Hebrews 12.2. And then he says, the glory which you have given me, I have given to them. John 17, 22. There is glory that we receive as a result of the work of Jesus on the cross, taking ownership of that for ourselves, and receiving the indwelling and the inner work of the Holy Spirit. Church, that word, glory, what it means in its most fundamental and basic sense Is shining. God's glory describes his beauty and his shining. And so, what we got to receive in the cross as a result of the divine exchange, handing our shame, which is real, our shame is real, handing it off to Jesus and receiving in exchange the very glory of God there is a shining on the inside. If we're living a life focused on God, uh, living a life taking ownership of our relationship with God through Jesus Christ and the very real presence and activity of the Holy Spirit here and now, we can walk through anything with a shining on the inside, which is a joy, a pleasure, a life-giving inner strength, By which we can face anything with anyone and bring as many people with us as we can. Because that is a beautiful thing. That shining of God on the inside when it manifests on our countenance, on our face. It's a beautiful thing. And there are going to be people in the world who need that desperately in this coming season. Point number five. He was brutally injured to the point of death in his body so that we could receive healing in our bodies. And it says this many places in Scripture, 1 Peter 2.24. By his wounds, Jesus received the wounds, the punishment that we deserve as a result of our sin and disobedience. Jesus took that and he gave us the healing power the healing life of God, and I just want to affirm in in this season. We don't know what the negative consequences, health wise, are going to continue to play out, uh, and even new new threats that might come on the scene. If this thing repeats itself again in coming years, we don't really know. But here is the thing: we can take ownership of whatever physical crisis you are in, or you may face in the future, you have access through the divine exchange to supernatural healing, God's healing power. Church, that healing power is real, and it is at work, and it is available to us every bit as much today as it was 2,000 years ago during the ministry of Jesus and the first apostles. You can believe God and ask God for your healing and expect to receive it and expect that results will come. Now, this is, a, this is a topic I think it's important to maybe flesh out just a little bit how this typically works in a normal way. Because while it's true that God can and does heal people supernaturally in an instant We would call that a miracle, working of a a miracle. More often than not, all things being equal, when God heals somebody, it's a slow, gradual, incremental process. And it's a result of both making good choices in the natural with how we eat, what type of medical care we receive, and it's a result of the supernatural power of God to make all of those things effective so that our strength and health is restored. As we approach this topic of the divine exchange, what the message is stirring up in us is hope. And hope is an emotion, it's a sense that there is a way out of this. There is a positive outcome that can be achieved. It's it's an emotion that stirs up in us the the thought, the hope, that something good can come of this. But here's the thing I want to really emphasize here. That hope will only become a reality if it's activated and brought into reality through exercising our faith. Faith and hope work together. So we talk about this topic, the divine exchange, what Jesus took, that, that the negative that we deserved, and what he gave us that we didn't deserve, that's what grace is. Church, those things will only be manifest or become a reality as we exercise faith and are consistent to bring that into being. And so with a topic like physical healing, we don't just pray once and ask God for healing and then hope it happens. That is not a that is not a sophisticated way to exercise our faith. Here's what we do. We ask God consistently, even if it looks like it isn't working, even if we're not really confident on the inside, we speak out and we ask God consistently to heal us in the area of our body where we need healing. Now, a couple of things that people bring up. Well, I thought you were just supposed to ask God something once. And if you repeat yourself, that's praying like the pagans. Well, what that's referring to is thinking that if I just rattle off for an hour the same thing, that's going to make more of an impact on God. That's a different thing from asking God on a regular basis for something that we're seeking uh, from him. And there's scripture to support that. There's the the poor widow that goes for the judge, and she's persistent, asking and asking and asking. And finally, the judge gets upset and says, Listen, woman, I will give you what you want just to get you out of my hair. And God says that was a positive thing. He wants us to have that attitude. And so God will want us to pray and pray and pray and ask and believe. Even if you're lacking confidence, you speak it. And if you speak it with confidence, it will help you believe it. Now listen, we can have a conversation with God in our heads. That's a real thing. You can... You can speak to God and have a conversation with God in prayer just in your head. But if you're going to exercise your faith and lay hold of something that God has given us in the supernatural and bring it into the natural, you are going to need to speak it. And so I just encourage you that the healing power of God is a very real thing. And usually in my life where I've exercised this and experienced it, It's not like I ever experience anything or feel anything or something dramatic happens. It's I'm praying for something consistently. Sometimes it's just when I'm in the shower. I'm praying something consistently, and all of a sudden, it just goes away. And I've done that many times. It's been very effective for me. And so I would just encourage you to lay hold of that in this season because uh, there are going to be people (coughs) more and more, who need people to come alongside of them, and who've learned how to exercise this principle from the divine exchange. They've learned how to exercise this principle because for some reason, the healthcare community is bumping up against things that they don't know how to fix or cure. And so the church can play an important role in that regards. Here's the last one. And maybe this is the most important one in this coming season. Jesus took our poverty so that we could inherit God's abundance. Here's a scripture for that. It's from 2 Corinthians 8, 9. Though he was rich, yet for your sake he became poor so that you, through his poverty, might become rich. How about that? And that's something we need to take ownership of in a clear-minded and convinced way as we enter this season, again, not knowing what the economic ripple effects are going to be from being quarantined for months. Church, it doesn't matter. If you, a believer, are following God and listening to God and doing your best to obey God, you can have confidence that that is true for you. Now, just to, again, frame things and put them in perspective, when the Scripture talks about being rich, let's balance that with verses 14 and 15, which says that the person who had too much gave to the person who had too little. And so uh, the person who had too little received from the person who had too much, and so it all balanced out in the end. And so that Scripture tells us two things. There are faithful believers who are going to continue to be prosperous in times of crisis and have enough to share. And let's keep this in balance as well. There are going to be faithful believers who love God and are seeking to obey Him in every way they know how, who fall short in times of crisis. And we all come alongside of each other and help each other out and it all pans out in the end. And so being rich from a biblical point of view means having your basic needs met. Some of you, what that's gonna mean is you're going to need to scale down your lifestyle a little bit, but you're gonna have your needs met. You're gonna have your rent paid, you're gonna have gas in your tank, and you're gonna have some extra to share with other people. That is what being rich looks like in the Bible, not living a luxurious and exaggerated lifestyle. And so let's keep that in perspective. But as we keep that in perspective, we need to take ownership of that principle in the coming months. If my eyes are on Jesus, if I'm putting my faith and trust in him, if I'm seeking to follow and obey him in every way that I know how, I can be confident that God is going to provide for my needs. And church, I can tell you this from personal experience. If I were to take my income on average over most of my adult life, I've made about what what an average school teacher would make. And we're a single income household, my wife and I, for the most part. And I could say I've had seasons of my life where I made less, seasons of my life where I made more, and the seasons of my life where I made less because I was seeking to obey God, I can't say that my lifestyle was that much different from seasons where I had more a little bit. I had a little more stress. Maybe I had lower status jobs and uh, I, I was kind of feeling maybe down about where I was in life. But all being equal, God has always followed through on that for me. And so you can have confidence. Maybe you're looking at the future and you don't know whether you got a job coming back to you or not. Maybe you're a small business owner And you don't know whether you're going to be able to make payroll or not. Those are needs that God knows that you have. And he will provide for you. He will make things right. He will provide opportunities. Again, they might not be the opportunities that you wanted. They might not be the opportunities that you were hoping for. But he will provide you with opportunities to get by for a season until things get back to normal. I just want to encourage you in that because we really don't know how much longer this is going to go on. We don't know what the consequences are going to be. But we can have confidence in this season of Easter. The divine exchange is real. It is every bit as much available today as it ever has been. Church, we need to lay hold of these tools, not just for ourselves, but for a hurting and broken world. And I want to tell you this. I told you this in the Easter video that I sent out this week. A lot of people have been joining us online that wouldn't typically be with us uh, here at the church building for whatever reason. But church, you are making an influence and an impact by the fact that people know that you come to church at First Methodist La Misa or wherever you may attend church. People know that you come to church. People have seen the example that you've set. And they are going to be open in a new way to you praying and believing for them and with them. And so maybe in this coming crisis, in the coming season, uh, you're not just giving people physical resources like money and food and things like that. And you might be doing that as well. But listen, church, if you're laying hold of these principles and tools right now and exercising them and using them, you're not only going to benefit yourselves, you're going to benefit other people. And you're going to prove to people that God is real. You're going to be able to prove and witness to people, not just through preaching a sermon, you're going to be able to prove to witness to people by believing things for them and with them that produce real results that bring them to a relationship, not just with Jesus Christ, but with the church. And both of those things are very important. And so, church, I want to encourage you with that message this Easter season. The wrath of God is a real thing. We talked about that last week. And I just want to challenge you again, if you're joining us today and you weren't with us last week, I want to challenge you with that. The scripture teaches that the wrath of God remains on the ungodly, the disobedient, and the unbelievers. And you can know right now where you stand with God. All of those things that we described that Jesus received on the cross remain on you if you stand outside of a relationship with Jesus Christ. And what that looks like, coming into a relationship with Jesus Christ, what that looks like is confessing your sin, admitting that you are not in a right relationship with God, Admitting that your behavior needs to change. Confessing. If we confess our sin, believe in the message of Jesus Christ, and agree to repent, and what that means is, I agree not only that my behavior is wrong, but that it needs to change. And I think that's an important thing to say. Yes, our behavior actually needs to change, but the first step to my behavior actually changing is agreeing that it needs to change. And what, that's why I, I like to phrase it that way, because that's what keeps us in a right relationship with God so that we stay connected with Him, because the change in behavior, the actual change, cannot come without His power actively working in us. And we have to stay connected with Him for that power to be flowing in us. So I want to challenge you. In, on the inside, you know where you stand with God. Are you at peace with God through faith in Jesus Christ? Or is the wrath of God still resting on you? This this exchange, this divine exchange that I've talked about, is freely available to every believer. And I want to invite you to enter into the divine exchange. Have all of the wrath of God laid, that was laid on Jesus And the benefits that were transferred to you, you can take part in that right now. And I just want to invite you to pray with me this Easter season. Pray with me that prayer. Right there in your home where you're at, that's actually how I came into a relationship with God. I was right there in my home all by myself in my room watching television. And somebody led me to the Lord right there in my room through the television. And my life was radically changed. And that can happen for you as well. And so I just want to lead you in a time of prayer. You can pray in your own words, however you choose to pray, but just pray. And maybe you haven't been following God faithfully and you need to rededicate your life. This prayer is for you as well. Let's just pray together. Let's just all pray this together, church. Father, we thank you for the divine exchange. Thank you, Father, for transferring all of our negative baggage over to your son, Jesus. And thank you for transferring over to us the life, the resources, the love, the adoption of God. We receive that now, Father. I believe in Jesus. I want him to be Lord of my life. I want to be adopted into your family. And so, Father, I just pray right now, whoever's praying that prayer, you would release your supernatural power and make that a living reality in them right now, in the name of Jesus. And Holy Spirit, I pray that you would fill every person that's rededicating their life. Fill every believer that's simply abiding in you. Fill them in new and fresh ways. Give us extra grace in this season, God, to lay hold of the divine exchange and to begin practicing and exercising these principles today, both for ourselves and those that we know and love that are in crisis in this season. So, Father, we thank you. We love you. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Blessings to you. And I want you to enjoy this last musical piece. It's a special by my daughter, Emma, and Kenny and Bryce Singleton. And they've done some special music for us. So enjoy that as we go forth together from here this Easter season. Love you, church. As always, you're loved, you're wanted, and you have a place with God. You have a place at First Methodist La We love you, and we look forward to getting together soon. Amen.